Knockout Ginger, episode 22 with Allison Al. Saxophone, composition, band leading, Toronto. Allison and her band are making moves and it's fucking awesome. Thank you for listening. Email me at knockoutginger at gmail.com. F all the haters. Um, we just got back last Sunday, like late at night. So we did like a short run in uh, like the Midwest, which was really interesting. But the bulk of the touring, quote unquote touring, was uh, actually like we we participated in this um, this arts residency. And this organization based in Illinois um, invites artists. I mean, you apply, but then they like approve your application or whatever. But when they have you come in, you commit to like five or six days Mm -hmm. and they coordinate all these youth outreach activities for you in their neighborhood. Amazing. And so the area is called the Quad Cities, which is actually not four, but five uh, cities in this neighboring area that crosses the Mississippi River. So I think a few of the cities are on the Iowa side and a few are on the Illinois side. And then they schedule everything for you. And then you just go and like you show up at the times and it was like we had groups as large as 500 students and we had to do 45 minute presentations talking about jazz or like really whatever we wanted to I mean it was under the understanding that we would talk about jazz like improvisation with students we had kids as young as like kindergarten to like we played for seniors one day college students a lot of them were high school groups Um, but it was kind of a trip like I haven't done that much outreach in that condensed period of time before. Um, And it was cool to do it as a band too, because we really had to be like quick on our toes to figure out how to address different age groups quickly. Yeah. Yeah. So it was, it was very interesting. And we would pretty much like a lot of the days were comprised of like starting with an elementary school and then the next engagement was a college. Mm -hmm. And then the next thing would be like a high school. And then anywhere from like kids who are semi interested in music to not at all. But we were just told to like give a presentation, talk about as much as you can, then have like some kind of Q&A at the yeah. end. So it was like it was a pretty intensive experience. That was the bulk. We like leading up to that, we just did two shows at like club dates. Mm-hmm. And then the bulk of the tour was like this this kind of workshop thing we did. So it was a it was an interesting experience. And That's then we awesome. also got like an earful about American politics from the locals. Lovely. Which was also very interesting yeah. to hear about. Uh, yeah dark days yeah it's uh (laughs) it's curious it's it i mean i suppose because we were working with an arts agency we kind of knew basically we're in kind of the same line of thinking um so it's not like we encountered too many people with like super conflicting views um but it's still I think a sobering reminder that people in the Midwest are like deeply affected. I mean, everyone in the States and Canada for that matter too, but people are like deeply affected by what's happening Uh and are very involved in like some people we spoke to, they're going to pro like some of the older people who live there where we're talking to, uh, they're like actually going to protest and 
organizing themselves and doing, you know, quite very politically involved. Right. So yeah, it's just kind of interesting. I just stumbled upon it randomly. I was searching for other places to play in the area because I knew we'd kind of be on the road at that time. Yeah. And I just found it in a Google search. So cool. That's it's nice that just based on what I know about American politics, mm-hmm. it's nice that something like that still exists at the moment. Absolutely. That's cool. I think it's interesting the the times we've been fortunate to go to the states which is a few times now. Um, I think Canadians have like a very specific preconceived notion of what it's going to be. I mean, you know, you've lived in the States for a while. I haven't, so I haven't had that opportunity to like be around in a city for a while or like actually get to know locals. But the times we've gone down, like Americans are increasingly, like the increasingly times we've gone down, so nice. So like, I feel like we're really very much on similar mind axes Mm -hmm. like we think very similar so i i don't know like i think canadians and i'm guilty of this too like i had an idea of what it would be like to talk to americans and consistently they've like flipped my yeah like my preconceived notion of what i thought it would be yeah i also like i was like i don't know if new york even counts as that you know like it's basically just it's essentially just Toronto. Like, yeah, but it's still it's still in the U.S. Like you're still yeah. gonna get a slew of like different people passing yeah. through there. So I think it counts. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. If even like only representative of that section of America, yeah. I think it's still valid, though. Yeah, yeah, I guess so. It's a pretty like it's a lot like here, though. Right. I guess is, is so. It's like I don't know. Yeah. Moving back, being back and forth didn't really, I don't like, I feel like I still don't know anything about American politics. Oh, I don't think I do either. Yeah. I think like Canadian politics, it's super layered. And unless you're reading consistently, regularly about the goings on, it's really hard to. Yeah. I I also, I don't read anything. Well, it's overwhelming. <laughs> yeah. It's I'm really kinda, overwhelming. I'm kind of at a point where I like I don't even know who to uh I don't know who's saying anything that's real. Yeah, I know. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. I read something and then I go like, "Oh, wait a second. Though. This upsets me, but also where is this in- is this even real information?" Right, like you're questioning the uh What's like the veracity of it? Yeah. Like, like how? Yeah, do you have to like fact check with another yeah. article, or do you have to find another source? Well, I think that's like the time we're in right now. Yeah, Don Cherry just got fired for. <laughs> Did he just get? Okay, I just yeah. heard about that case yesterday on the radio because I still listen to the radio. Yeah. <laughs> but I just—they just mentioned it, and yeah. they said he had not being available for comment yet so is that the, the, the latest yeah i think he got fired yesterday afternoon oh. or something well i don't know yeah i mean i'm not that surprised yeah i'm not a i don't i don't think i'm a don cherry fan at all but i think he's on tv for five minutes a week Mm-hmm. And he's eighty-five years old. Is and he's eighty-five. 
and he's on live television. Yeah. So like putting an 85 year old. Yeah. On live television. <laughs> first of all. <laughs> like what did anyone think was going to happen uh, at some point? So. Yeah. Yeah, there's Whatever. a lot. There's I don't, a lot going I don't on want there. to be a, a Don Cherry defender, but I'm just like, if you look at the bigger picture, like, what did anyone expect? Totally. Because he's, he's also done similar things. Yeah, before. I was going to say, like, his track record is not, like, squeaky yeah. clean either. Whatever. Let's put him on live TV. You know? I know. Now you're questioning who's, <laughs> who's uh, in charge of this whole operation. Yeah. I, whatever. But, like, also. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like we're in a really weird time because I think like in a lot of respects, we're in like uncharted territory with the internet and how information is distributed so quickly. Because I, I was following like on the per, like peripherally the Facebook situation um, and how like Mark Zuckerberg is adamant about not screening or fact checking potential ads that are run on Facebook. And so one side of the argument is is asking him to be held accountable for the material that is posted on Facebook and it should be fact checked. And, you know, double checked any which way to make sure that whatever ad people are running, like mostly for political Mm -hmm. reasons, um, are actually truthful. But he's so strongly in support of the First Amendment that he feels like everyone should have the opportunity to judge for themselves. And as as a result, things should just be posted on Facebook without double checking them but as a result there's a lot of like volatile information that's being spread on facebook so i don't know what the answer is it makes me uncomfortable and i think both sides are valid to some extent but i don't think we've been in a situation like this before and i think this story is just revealing the fact like i don't know what is the correct answer and i feel like Multiple times we're finding ourselves in these situations, like how to gauge situations that, like, I don't know what the, I don't know how to answer that. Yeah. Well, my answer, I know how. (laughs) (laughs) What's the answer, Mike? Get off. Like, (laughs) delete, you know? Like, I got, I just got rid of it and I don't go on it anymore. Like, just don't be involved in the platforms that are there? Yeah. If I... If I feel like I'm getting uh, false or unsolicited information, yeah, I'm out. So like I f- I find that I that doesn't really happen on Instagram. Mm-hmm. So I'm into it, and I get to see what my friends are up to. And occasionally, if I spend too much time on Twitter, it can go south real quick. Yeah, depending on who I follow. Yeah. Uh, but I think generally Twitter does a good job of, I only get things, so you only get things on your Twitter feed that are from people you follow yeah, or something it that is retweeted by someone you follow. Mm-hmm. And then 
with Facebook, I'm getting like wedding photos that I don't know people are, I don't even know anyone. And yeah, like yeah. Political things that I know for, I certainly know are not true. Like it's just right. a whole bunch of like, right. I'm just getting showered in things that I didn't sign up for, you know? Right. So, how did we get here? Which, oh, the, so I just quit. Yeah, yeah, so you just And now get I off. don't have to deal with right. that. Do you think about how, like, Facebook owns Instagram, though? Uh, yeah, totally. Yeah. But I don't get... On Instagram, I only see what I want to see. Yeah, yeah. You're not like bombarded with That's like the, so much other yeah. information. That's the big thing hmm. for me. So maybe it's just like the the layout and the format and like so the many other the, factors. The Facebook algorithm. Yeah, the algorithm, yeah. Crazy. So much stuff. And like somehow they know, somehow the algorithm knows exactly uh, when there's conflict. Yeah. Because all the posts with people arguing. Yeah are all up in my face and I just That's like, true. It does prioritize a lot of really random exchanges. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. Instagram's almost easier cuz it's just like mainly photo based with a little bit of text. Yeah. So maybe the text is the culprit. <laughs> There's just like too much information. Yeah, I don't even know if it's te- <laughs> like I think I mean, yes, true. Yeah, to and some extent. To some extent, yeah. but text from if i sign up to get your text mm-hmm. i'm down mm-hmm. and if i don't want to see your the text that you're putting there yeah, yeah i'll unfollow and then it's out of my life yeah yeah well i think maybe maybe that's what's in question it's like there's so much noise now yeah which is what is kind of a product of the internet like because we have access to so much stuff yeah. Yeah. Like I can't even I can't even keep up with the the records my friends are releasing. Mhm. Let alone everything else on earth. Yeah, you know I know. What I mean? like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Um do you this could be prying too much info. Do you sell a lot of physicals when you go to the states. Is there? Mm. Do, you, do you notice a difference from there to here, here and there? Or? Yeah, somewhat. Yeah, we do sell physical CDs when we go down. Um, I think it depends on like the venue, though, just on a more individual basis. Mm. Um, but I'm trying to think. I mean, we've been fortunate to play. Um, like we played a big festival this year, and some like slightly bigger venues. Um, but I think it's still challenging for smaller clubs and bars and stuff, like which I still do. Yeah, I'm still happy to play those performances because we you always end up meeting like really interesting people and um, and I think that's consistent in Canada too. Like it's just hard in smaller places, and I, I mean like literally when the venue's smaller. Mm. Um, so I think I think more than like country, it's it's more dependent on the venue mm. itself, in my experience. But yeah, I know. How about you? Like, have you noticed, I don't know, with like physical copies or any projects you've played into? Uh, like, everything, I, everything I've done, 
uh, has been every physical thing that I've made yeah. has been giveaway. Oh, okay, cool. Like, uh, really only making them because jazz is on the old model of like, you need physicals if you want people to pay attention to it essentially. Right. right. Uh, so basically for me, making physicals is just like playing the game a little bit. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think that's a cool model though. I think like, I feel the same way. I feel like you kind of have to produce physical copies now, but I'm on the fence as to whether that's actually an effective form of product. Like I question that often. Yeah. Yeah. So me too. Yeah. And I wonder if you're onto something in a way of like making it more accessible in a way, if you are going to be ending up printing actual copies of Mm -hmm. CDs. Again, I don't know the answer. I think it's like the industry's changing so quickly all the time. And like what's cool this year is going to be different next year. It's hard to keep up and and just like know what is like the yeah. best way to do something. Yeah. The other thing is like I'm no one cares. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. So like That's true. <laughs> I'm I don't mean that how do I, uh, no one cares until everyone cares. So like where I'm at, yeah. whether I'm giving someone a CD for free yeah, or mailing it to someone for reviews or putting it on Bandcamp for free yeah, or giving someone a physical download card so they can go get it for free. Mm-hmm. At this point, still no one's listening. Right. So like, uh. To the point, like, the amount of download cards that I've given out to people Mm -hmm. and looking at Bandcamp and seeing how many downloads have been redeemed. Yeah. No one's listening to anything. For me. So, like, it's just a matter of figuring out your way to make sure other... To convince other people into caring. Because Mm -hmm. as soon as a couple other people... Mm -hmm. I mean, we see it over and over again with people taking off. Uh, As soon as a couple people care, everyone starts to. Yeah. So it's just a matter of like how to how we get the ball rolling. Yeah. Whether it's podcasting or like uh, Juno's or doing these outreach things. It's just like no one knows. I know. No, that's a that's a really good point. Uh, like the the most extreme version in recent memory, I think, is Jamie Branch. Do you know her? She's a so familiar. trumpet player. Yeah. Uh, her she so she's been like a an improviser forever. Okay. I've sort of like just heard her here and there in New York, and she's from originally from Chicago. Oh, cool. Her record a couple years ago. Or maybe more than that now. Whatever. Called Fly or Die. Mm -hmm. Just kind of blew up and now everyone knows her. Fly or Die 2 just came out. And she's like playing everywhere all the time. Wow. Um, And I don't know what the spark was. I think it was a New York Times article. 
Ah, uh, okay. So yeah, whether or not she got that article just because like Nate Shinnon or whoever was interested or whether right. she played the game and did the whole publicity thing for mm-hmm. all these years and it finally mm-hmm. just caught up caught up who yeah. knows but yeah i don't know yeah it's it's an interesting thing though and i think it's absolutely true cuz you don't know what it is i mean you just keep your head down i mean you like all of us in the arts endeavor pursuit we're just like just put out content and like just keep collaborating with people and stuff. Just do what you're gonna do anyway. Mm-hmm. How do you find now that you're in? You've been in Toronto for a while now. Do you find like? Do you miss elements of being in New York, or do you feel like I know I've asked you this before, but I'm curious yeah. now. Like more time you you've been here, like has that changed at all? Uh, not really. I think. Um. There's been a couple times where bands come to town from New York. Yeah. And I hear a New York drummer. Yeah. And I think, wow, I miss that. Not that it's not that it's any worse or better. It's yeah. just it's just different. I don't know what I like better even. Like specifically with drummers too? Like- yeah. Oh, it's like it's almost only with drummers. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. So is it like an approach then? There's there's like a Uh, I don't even know what it is. It's like just a different sort of push hmm. and a driving thing. But people here still drive. You know what I'm saying? Like people like. It's a different thing though. I don't, yeah. I don't yeah. want to. Uh, by going down this road, I don't want it to seem like I'm talking smack about toronto drummers because no 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 not at all i love them but yeah. it's there's just a different thing that doesn't happen here hmm. and i notice it sometimes with bass players mm-hmm. but like always with drummers hmm. and not with like piano players or saxophone player or like other horn players or anything not like that. so much no oh that's interesting do you wish you were living there right now no. Or do you miss living there or like no. that, the aspect of that? No. Okay. Uh, I maybe wish I got to play with a couple of New York drummers here and there more mm-hmm, often. Mm-hmm. But I mean, there's so many great people that I wish I was playing with more often. But uh, I mean, that kind of makes sense, though. I think like every city does have an element of like a sound to it, even if we're not aware of what that is. Mm-hmm. So I'm not like surprised by the fact that you hear a difference. I haven't spent enough time in New York or like, I mean, you also, you check out like a ton of music too, right? Like uh, live that I feel like I don't even check out as much stuff as you do on a regular Mm -hmm. basis, but uh, to know what like the New York sound is in in that way. But obviously I'm like listening to people's records and stuff coming out of New York and I can hear like a general thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah, but that's interesting. Because you, you were there for two years or longer? Five. Five. Oh, okay, five yeah. years. Okay, my bad. I can't uh-huh. remember. Yeah. Uh, it's a long time. Yeah. Too long. Too, you think too long? Yeah. You think you should have left earlier though? 
Uh, I think so, yeah. Hmm. In hindsight, yes. Uh, it's strange trying to figure out where to be and when and leaving and moving. But I felt like uh, my first couple years in New York, uh, I sort of felt that I left this scene mm-hmm. too early. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't even really part of this scene, but like I had friends going to so I was like sort of in the circle of playing with those people. Yeah. And then I left and then uh, I sort of didn't have the benefit of being part of the Canadian hang in New York also because I didn't really know enough people. Oh, okay. Is there a Canadian hang? To some extent? To some extent, especially okay. when you first show up. Oh, okay. Like everyone's sort of hanging out together. And so I just sort of had like none of that. Mm-hmm. Like I moved there the same year as like, uh, so Alex Goodman moved the year before me. Oh, okay. And then I moved the same year as Brian Q, Mark Ballack, uh, Curtis Noasad oh, from yeah. Winnipeg. Yeah. Um, uh, Luke Selleck from Winnipeg. Oh, okay. I didn't know they moved the same year. Would Fab have been there that year too, or was he there earlier? We're talking Fab, about like Fab was there. Two thousand. And, and was Ethan that? was there. Okay, so was that two thousand two? Two thousand thirteen. Thirteen, Kate. Uh, so I didn't know. I didn't know any of these people. Uh, yeah. So there's like certain things that happen when you leave a scene Mm -hmm. so then uh being in new york for that long and also not really being there long enough to it's maybe not feel the total benefits of belonging in a community right because like yeah they're like i don't have the roots there Mm -hmm. so like all of the bands that i played in like now I don't have those gigs anymore. So like I wasn't really there long enough to right. make a right a lasting impression right. or whatever. So right. like knowing that now I maybe would have left earlier. I see. I don't know. Like Okay. Well, and in all fairness, I was just going to add, I think that sounds like that takes a long time for anyone to establish in a city yeah. like New York anyway. Like most people from what I've heard is like 10 years uh-huh. or something. You got to be there. But, uh, yeah, I, I get that. That's it's a funny thing because you're like on the threshold of like a couple of different yeah. scenarios. Mm-hmm. I hope I didn't sound too like negative no. about the whole thing. But. No, I'm just curious what your personal experiences with that yeah. and like how you feel now being back in Toronto. Like, yeah, yeah, but also so the way that you've sort of gone about this, it seems like uh. The way that I did it, mm-hmm. it seems like that doesn't work anymore. It's, it only works for a, a small mm-hmm. amount of people. Um, and watching other people, um, watching other people build careers mm-hmm. and then have like somewhat of a, uh, for lack of a better term, stable career in this industry. Mm-hmm having that and then moving somewhere is 
awesome. Like watching it happen to other people. It's also in the comedy world. Mm, okay. Because you show up somewhere and you're like, this is what I've done. Right. And then from there, you just like take off in a more extreme way. Oh, I see. So, so you see a pattern of like people who have uh, maybe established something a little bit more and then And then gone somewhere. Going, oh, yeah. I see. Yeah. So like the most extreme case, Bill Frizzell. Mm-hmm. He's busy enough that he can live basically wherever he wants. Right, right. Okay, I see what you mean. Um, he, I think he just recently moved back to New York within the last couple of years. But he oh. was like in Seattle for oh, okay. forever. Okay, I was just Okay. Um, but the, the, like, because you can't, it's super hard to live in a, in one scene anyway. Mm-hmm. So like if it like in a, in an ideal scenario, yeah, when this is going well, or whatever, however we draw it up, we kind of have to travel around to play anyway, right? So it doesn't really matter where you are, I feel right. Yeah. And uh, nowadays, anyway. Mm-hmm. So just like as long as you have a, as long as you're building a career in a place where you have like access to things. Right. That you can do to do the projects you want to do. Yeah. You mean? Yeah. That's, that's probably the biggest thing I've learned. Mm-hmm. So it doesn't matter where that is. Like the hundreds of people that show up to New York. Yeah. As like young 18 year olds. Yeah. Yeah. And then we're like, what, what are we doing here? Right. And with, in that case, maybe it's like so expensive. How can you like yeah. get things done and the way you wanted to? Yeah. We're all fighting over the same like mm-hmm. no cover gig. And like, I don't know how many like one in a thousand show up to New York and like are incredible and they like work hard and they do the right things. They go to the session every night at smalls and then they get into someone's band and then they're set. Right. Like like, it's so many factors involved. Yeah. 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 Yeah, That's a good point. But I don't think that's the way like at this point, Mm -hmm. it's not a sustainable way of Mm -hmm. maybe it was, no, it definitely was sustainable and it might become sustainable again. But Mm -hmm. at this point, I regret not doing it more similarly to the way that you have gone about doing it. Oh, well, okay. But I mean, it's like apples and oranges too, you know, like, and maybe that's, maybe that's like the, the thing to realize is like, I don't think anyone feels like, uh, any, like their own path is like the way. Yeah. Cause I, it's always like the grass is green on the other side, right? Like that, that thing. Because I wish I did other things. Yeah. And right. like you may wish, you know, like yeah. it's always like, oh, I wish I should have done that. Yeah. And also the next thing <laughs> is like, if we're totally focused on career path, mm-hmm. that's also problematic when it comes to this whole thing that we do. Yeah. But. Yeah. Uh, I think it's just important to be aware of the things that maybe make th- certain things harder. And yeah, I th- and I think moving to New York as a young person mm-hmm. at this point in time makes things a lot harder. Okay, yeah, fair enough. I I think I know what you mean. Well, and it's it's just like generally a tough city to to get your footing in anyway. Yeah. But um, 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I briefly talked about it for a second, but uh, do you record yourself? And do, do you go through that whole thing of like recording and listening? And I don't do it as much as I should. I did it for a session recently, like, I don't know, just a jam session, like in the summer or whatever. And I recorded myself and I was like, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I should do this more because yeah. I don't, I don't want to listen to myself. Um, so no, to answer your question simply, I don't do it. And I think I should do it because recently I did it and I was, wasn't happy. Hmm. And I think I would probably learn more if I did it more frequently. But I think what I get overwhelmed with the fact that I have to listen to everything. And if it's like a long amount of material yeah. or a long amount of material, um, it's like overwhelming for me to be like, oh, now I've got to sit down and then like review all this stuff. Yeah. Um, uh, but also that feel like depending on your perspective, I guess. Yeah. That feeling is it. That's that's almost the goal hearing yourself and just being like Ugh. right is because, that what your experience is like yeah always okay but also like the other side of it is like yeah if we think about what's actually going on there you uh listening to yourself and thinking uh gross it's because so partially it's because we're not sounding the way we want to sound yeah yeah and the way we want to sound is like sort of, to some extent, a reflection of what we're hearing in other people, mm-hmm. comparing ourselves to other people, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then being upset. So like when we hear ourselves and we don't like it, I guess, long story short, it's kind of us sounding like ourselves. To right, a certain right. When we want to sound like somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. So yeah. like hearing yourself and thinking that's not good is also like kind of like depending on how you see it. Is the point of the whole kind exercise. Of like hearing yourself and thinking, oh, is like, oh, I guess I'm, I sort of sound like myself to a degree. Right. But also we have to be at a certain, I don't know when that becomes the the state of mind because as like a, well, no, that's that's not true. As a beginner, yeah, you still sound like yourself. That's true. Even if it's horrific, yeah, you still kind of so. How do you when you record yourself? Do you like? Are you listening to yourself or listening back to that the same day, or do you give yourself time, or like what's your method? It depends. Usually, it's kind of the same day. Okay, so it's like fresh in your memory, yeah. and then what do you? Like, on reflection, will you go back and, like, practice something immediately? Or you just keep something in mind? And you're like, okay, I want to work on this because I was doing, like, this thing a lot. Or I usually keep just keep stuff in mind. Okay. Uh, it's like slowly editing things out. Yeah. That I don't like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You just become mindful of it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, like, the probably the biggest thing that I've developed through listening to myself is I still have like a long way to go, but the biggest thing that I learned from listening to myself is, uh, how impatient I am Mm. and not just like, especially when I'm a, when I'm a band leader, 
if we if we come to a place that is like maybe unfamiliar mm-hmm. i don't let us like i'm too quick to like jump in and guide us to the next section or something okay just like it's more so like musical decisions opposed to technical playing i think when i listen to things yeah they're more like broad yeah 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 i don't know i feel like i've never heard myself play and thought uh that wow that took too long or wow you waited too long or something right it's always like oh that happened way too soon yeah 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 i know what you mean yeah that's cool i should i should do that more i think because I remember feeling like, oh, this is good to realize. Like, just listening back, I'm like, oh, yeah, I do do that a lot. How do I, how can, yeah, just like being mindful of what that is. Because so much of it is just acknowledging. Yeah. And then finding a way to change it. Or maybe you want to keep it, you know, like whatever that is. And then the crazier thing is, I, I, I've never done this, but I, I want to start is uh transcribing myself so oh it's, the, it's like a vicious cycle of like insanity that's interesting <laughs> I, I don't think anybody talks about that either like how that could be an interesting uh exploration like mm-hmm. try to jump into that and see what that would you know what would come of that yeah pro- maybe nothing Maybe that's why no one talks about it. Or maybe it's the secret that no one yeah. wants to talk about. I don't know. But we spend so much time idolizing others, and rightly so, in yeah. school, and like learning vocabulary and stuff, which I think is important too. Um, but what about like, how do you develop your own voice? Like it's, a, it's such a subjective pursuit. And most teachers say, because I think we've both been in situations where like you're told you learn other people's vocabulary so you can create your own, yeah. right? after many years of like absorbing internalizing and stuff. But what if you were to be more articulate at expressing who you are? Maybe transcription of yourself would lead to that. I don't know. Yeah, I'm not sure. But like, uh, so David Binney gets upset when he hears people that sound like him. Really? Yeah. Have you have you read that in like a an interview? Uh, a or? couple people have told me this. People oh. that know him better. So like, but then he he has to be confident that he knows people are trying to sound like him. Yeah. Because how do you know that? Right. So like, <laughs> or but, genuinely know yeah, that? Yeah. So he's like, I've been work. I've been doing this for like, however long. He's maybe been playing for forty years mm-hmm. at this point. I mm-hmm. don't know how old he is, but. Yeah. Uh. Someone like that who's like spent so much time developing a thing. And then hearing someone else do it is just like, come on. <laughs> you know? Like, leave me alone. <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. Because <laughs> that's a pretty extreme thing. I don't know who else would be put in that in a category like that wait uh what's extreme his reaction or the fact that people are trying to play like him uh just like the way he sounds like a very unique oh yeah thing and a okay very so just what he does to music yeah. Yeah. in general 
I can't even think of someone else like who's that unique in their voice. Yeah, maybe like Tim Byrne. Yeah. Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, maybe Mark Turner too. Yeah, Mark Turner. Like he's for really sure. set a kind of standard for a certain type of sound and stuff. Um. I wonder why that would bother him, though. To, I mean, I mean, I, I guess I could see that, but it's also just like, who cares, too? Mm-hmm. You know, but yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, I'm certainly not at the level of Dave Benita to understand where he would be coming from either. Right. Yeah. So I, I I shouldn't presume to judge him either. Yeah, I have no idea what what anything sounds like. And uh, I found out fairly recently that I've been everything that I thought I figured out, I just accidentally stole from Hank Roberts. So I don't know what anything is anymore. <laughs> but I know who, who are we to, who are we to say or judge or like dictate, right? Like, yeah. I don't know. I started like, uh, I started trying to imitate Colin Stetson on the bass. Cool. That's awesome. So just like overtones and like hammering and pulling and getting a bunch of sounds at the same time. And then I heard Hank Roberts recently and I, and I just thought like, oh, great. He's been doing this for 30 years. <laughs> but you just discovered Hank Roberts or you were aware of? I've been aware of him, but okay. I sort of haven't been aware of, of certain recordings. Okay. Where I've just been like, oh, this is, this has been happening on stringed instruments for. But at least you're like, I, you're, I've been alive. you're going down that road to check it out and like. Yeah, I don't know. Figure that out or like follow the sound, you know? Yeah, who knows? That's funny when like someone's playing really resonates with you that you feel like you can be, you would be that at that point. Like you see yourself in that sound or you hear yourself Mm -hmm. in that sound. It happened also like basically right when I moved to New York, I heard uh ivan opsvik ops ivan opsvik yeah. play with binny yeah and i just thought like oh good i've been copying him by accident all of these years been stealing from ivan but like don't you feel like that's kind of a redeeming or like a positive experience too or do you do you think that's like totally just a negative realization uh Cause to me, I would also interpret that as like, oh, I, I hear what that voice is objectively now when you find someone who like, you really, really resonate on that other, like, it's not just like, you feel like you would, like, I've had that experience with composing, not so much with saxophone playing, but I hear like some writing. I'm like, I would write that. Yeah. I feel like I'm so in touch with that sound. I could write that though it did not come to me <laughs> authentically, yeah. but I hear that in what I would also produce. But I feel like that's like, I found like a kindred voice. I don't feel like, um, frustrated by that, but yeah. I, maybe I'm asking you, do you, does that make you frustrated or does that, uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's an interesting thing yeah. though. Yeah. Cause I've heard some people, who gone to concerts and they like, they're so inspired by somebody that they feel deflated. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, I guess the negative side of it is that like, I've 
spent time attempting to imitate people. Mm-hmm. As everyone it and has, I've never, yeah. No one's ever been like, oh, you sound like that person? Yeah, me too. And it's always like other people that I... I always like accidentally sound... So like, I guess it's part of the process. Like we all listen to certain people. Yeah. And then come to our own conclusions. Yeah. So I don't know Ivan, but... I would assume that by being a bass player, we only have so many, there's only so many people to pick from that mm-hmm. we can idolize. Mm-hmm. I imagine we all, him and I just got to the, and Ivan's like incredible. Like, I don't want to say that I sound like Ivan. Like, right, right. There's no way that if I wanted to sound like him, I probably couldn't. I don't think I have like the facility or anything right. to uh, to do that. It's just like little th- little things that you can kind of identify in people's playing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I guess those things come from just the lineage of music. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Uh, I I sort of made a conscious decision to stop listening to, or to, to listen to way less Charlie Hayden years ago i have spoken to people who feel like that with other musicians too yeah they feel like it's too in line with what they're going for and they have to cut them out of their listening diet you know like they can't listen to anymore charlie and thomas morgan okay are like two people who i find it's like it's pretty easy for me to imitate huh and you feel okay so clearly you feel like you have to cut it out yeah and like, so my favorite bass player is probably Jimmy Garrison. Okay. And I don't think I've ever, no matter how hard I try, yeah. I don't think I can ever sound like, sound like right. him. So like, I don't see a pro, there's, to me, there's not a, hmm. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what's, what's your justification? If you listen to those people, you think you will start sounding like them? Well, I just noticed that I was, I was like, I noticed myself in the moment trying to imitate them on like many occasions in like a what would charlie do sort of i see situation i don't know and you just don't want to go down that that path i don't know yeah i think it's a it's an important stage in the process yeah sure yeah yeah I don't know. I think it, the problem is catching yourself doing it in the moment too many times. And it's like, okay, I need to not. I think, I think I get it superficially. Like I understand that you, if you really want to cultivate your own sound, you don't want to listen too, too much to other people. I guess I've just never personally experienced listening to something so much that I would, I would, mimic that in a way that would be because i guess i'm of the the mindset that i'm never going to sound like anybody anyway yeah so how why would that you know but i but i'm asking you because i'm curious to know how you think of it because i've heard other people talk about they have to stop listening to people because they're afraid they're just going to sound like that yeah and i just think i'm never going to sound like that so i've never had the experience of really forcing myself to stop listening to somebody like that Uh I, so I'm just, it's coming from a place of like just being genuinely curious about that frame of mind. Yeah. And it's also, I think it's deeper than just, uh, 
it's all the elements okay because yeah like uh bass player with so myself and charlie hayden and thomas morgan we all kind of check the similar boxes okay like uh we don't really shred mm. uh we we play in a lot of bands or compose in a way that is like it's very like uh songwriting mm-hmm. opposed to composing mm-hmm. um our our just our in general our tone is similar okay so then right there that's three things that we have in common so it's like super easy to uh, like feel like you're aligned too closely or something yeah 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 Yeah, i get that yeah and you just want to make sure that you still sound like all of the things or something yeah 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 but still separate i get that but also sounding like people are is so i talked about this on a I talked about this with John Maharaj and on a couple podcasts recently. But, oh yeah, uh, I heard him on Nathan Hiltz, Nathan Hiltz's podcast. John? Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. Nathan Hiltz's. Yeah, Hiltz's. Hiltz's. Hiltz's <laughs> is. Yeah. Whatever. I got it. <laughs> I didn't go to school for words. Uh, I think, and then so he's so Nathan does this thing where he plays with the guest. Yeah. Okay. And. Uh, whatever they were talking about, but, uh, John imitated Paul Chambers, Neil Swainson and Steve Wallace. Like he acknowledged that or that's what you heard? He acknowledged. He okay. said, this is how this person sounds. This is how this person sounds. Oh, and I then, see. And he played and he sounded like his imitations were frighteningly on point. Right. So maybe I just need to, maybe we just need to go further down these rabbit holes Mm. and be able to uh, imitate people. Well, and then I, maybe I would say that if that's what you value. Yeah. But he still sounds like himself. Of course. So of course, who knows where the, yeah, whatever, who knows where. Totally. (laughs) No, I know. I know. And I think, I think that's where like, we all have to be our own teachers in so many ways. Yeah. And like you have to figure out what you care about and just follow that as like subjective as that is. But yeah, I agree. I know. I think that's amazing too. I like totally respect that and like think highly of that. And then, and then you have to ask and every individual has to just ask, ask themselves like if that's what's important to them. But I know, I think it's a really interesting conversation because it could go, oh, excuse me. It's, it could go so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, is he on your, is he on all of your records? Yeah. Yeah. But I've, I've been like, maybe to like anally, uh, have made it a goal to have the same people. Hmm. Maybe I've gone too far down that road. I don't know. But I, I've really valued that. Um, like, I think I've just been really curious to see what happens if you play with the same people. Yeah. And like where that takes you is super important and not enough people are doing it well yeah but then the other um 
side of the spectrum is I haven't maybe recorded with as many other people as I would have liked. I, I like to, True. not would have, like yeah. it's still ongoing. Um, but like life is long. It is. And it's also short. True. But like in the, like in this, like yeah, big picture, having three records with the same band. Yeah. Yeah. It's like such a short amount of thing, small amount of anything, you know? Right. Yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But I, it's just happened to be what we did and something that I valued and like tried to keep intact. Um, and I feel like I still don't know. Don't know what? Where it can go. Oh, which is good. Yes, but it feels like I still have not figured out what that is yet. And in other words, I still feel there's a lot of ground to cover in that like trajectory with the same people. Um, but then I also admire like so many incredible musicians who like consistently have had like something like Dave Douglas, um, who always has a different project, different music, like so prolific in his recording and like the projects he's led and stuff, which I think is really cool. Yeah. I, bands are so important though. I know, but Yeah. But then there's like people like Miles Davis had like seminal bands, right? But switched, yeah. You know what I mean? So I've always been like, oh, should I like try a different format or like change the instrumentation or like? And it's not even that I wouldn't want to stop working with the guys that I work with, but like, could I expand it or like? There's things that I have thought about. I'm like, I don't know. Maybe yeah. that's too much of a diversion for me at this point. I don't know. So there's two things that are. So, in throughout history, yeah, think of all of the bands that have made more than three records in our world. There's tons. Yeah. But in recent years, three records with the same band is like, that's like a monumental <laughs> accomplishment. Well, yeah, maybe, maybe that's common. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. That's true, but... I don't know. I think it's it's still like whatever you value yeah. is what ultimately you have to do and like doesn't really matter what anyone else says. It's like, do you care about that or not? So it's just been something that I've hap- like happened to care about and that's just what has ended up happening. But I don't know. Like, how do, how do you feel about that? Like, do you feel... Because I think great things can be achieved in any context, really. It just depends how, like, I think it depends on the material and how the project's executed and then, like, how it's being developed and stuff. Because you can have that with a changing lineup as well if the vision is strong and, and you see bands that have, like, a steady progression but, like, different personnel and, and think like, I think those things can still kind of have a cool way of, like... um developing yeah it, yeah yes it's tough though yeah i think like if yeah. you look at the i think if you look at the lineage of this music not a lot of uh not a lot of cool stuff maybe nothing uh nothing beyond a fad mm-hmm. has happened without a working band all of the cool developments right have happened through working bands 
right like a consistent like yeah. just like steady slogging it out but with yeah. the same same parameters yeah there's almost nothing yeah maybe nothing mm-hmm. maybe not even fads actually i don't know yeah maybe maybe i don't you're just talking about across the board too yeah. not even music specific necessarily music specifically okay yeah okay and i mean and i'm talking like specifically jazz and improvised okay music okay yeah i guess yeah i don't know like can you think of a cool thing that happened without a a cool change that happened without Hmm. a band in this in this genre specifically I mean, yeah, I was just gonna say like Miles Davis, but I think you're right. Like there was still a consistency within those time frames, and yeah. then it just switched, and it was like a major because he had like a completely new band each time. There was a switch. Those big shifts happened. Yeah. Um, like the closest thing that I can yeah come to is maybe Charlie Parker. Right, where he was mainly like he was a feature, yeah. but yeah, shifting personnel. And he just figured out this thing yeah. that he could do with almost anyone. Yeah. And varying degrees. Some of those records are killing. Some of them are That's much true. less killing, but it's like... Yeah. Yeah. A thing. And what a crazy... Yeah, well, I don't want to like go too much on a tangent, but like what a... Like he... He died at 35... Yeah. Like that's so fucking insane. And how many of those guys died like so young yeah. and their body of work is like huge. Like that, whenever I, I read like a bio or I, I go back down that kind of history reading and stuff, it yeah. just blows my mind how much output those guys had. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. I don't know. We're all gonna die. Uh, what's your? What do you have coming up? <laughs> Anything you want to tell the idiot listeners about? Oh man. Uh, well, the next few months are actually pretty quiet. Um, I mean, my band is not doing anything for a while. We have a show coming up in January at Kerner Hall. Sweet. We're we're doing an opening set for uh, the Twenty One C Festival. Nice. Um, what is that? It's a festival that Kerner Hall presents. I think they're like the official presenters. There might be another organization involved, but I, I, I have to double check that. But they host it. It's mostly new classical music. But they have, uh, we're opening for Danilo Perez's like world ensemble. He, so he has another project where he explores like, I think it's like some different instrumentation. I think he's got like strings and uh, vocalists and stuff. Um, but we're just doing a short opening set for them so it's maybe one of their only like jazz-ish concerts and the rest is like new contemporary music um so we're doing that in january and after that like we don't have a lot planned for anything locally so i'm kind of like working on coordinating some stuff right now um 